Good morning. Morning. I won't tell you what Dean just said, but well, actually I will. He said it's a hard act to follow. Yes. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so Sylvia, amen. Amen. And it is a hard act to follow, but um, we would like to have more of you. Amen. But let's uh, open up to the book of Mark. Chapter 10 of the book of Mark, and uh, let's go to verse, we'll start in 17, but let's pray before we read. Dear Father, we come to you because we know that you have that living water. We know that we need more of you. We know that we're barren and lost without you. And if by chance we don't know that this morning, Lord, may these words that come straight from your mouth be words that will cause you to want to go to the well and take that drink of living water and it will set you free. We pray that you would bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, the rich young man is a wonderful story. It's in the first three Gospels, so I'm going to read it to you. And just follow along. This is the NIV. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then I can see Jesus looking at him and saying, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know, the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery. Do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. There's a lot of stories uh, in the scriptures, and a lot of us love stories. And title of this message for me was, What a Story. And you can say it in a way where you can say, What a Story, What a Story. But when I say it to you today, I want you to say it in your heart. What a story, because that's what it is. It's one of those. What a story. What a story. This is a story about a man who had everything. It's a story about a man who still wanted more. It's a story about a man who met the savior of the world. It's a story about a. A man. Who saw the love and compassion and forgiveness. Might not have recognized it, but he saw it. It's a story about cost. The cost. It's a story about what it means to follow Christ and what it cost. It's a story about great sadness and dejection. It's a story about choices and possibilities. It's a story about the way, the only way, God's way. It's a story about the cross. It's a story about life. And it's a story about you and me. And I studied this story, and we're going to put it in a book form this morning. And we're going to give it five chapters and maybe a bonus chapter. But the five chapters would be chapter one, the great meeting. Man meeting God. Chapter two, the great surgeon, the master operator of the heart. Chapter three, the look of love, God's love, God's gaze. Chapter four, the great refusal. Chapter five, still being written. It's the book of life. And I challenge us to think about that last chapter 
because that book of life is still being written because there are names that are being added to that book every second of the day. There are people who say, I claim Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I have met him, and I accept him, and put my name in the book. And God says, Amen. I add you to the book. I welcome you to the kingdom. That book is still being written. And one day it will be closed. And once it's closed, there will be no more names written in the book of life. And it will be that day that Jesus talks about, that last day, that day. When there will be people who will be surprised. And there will be gnashing of teeth. And on the other hand, there will be the people who have had their names in that book. And guess what? They will be sitting in heaven in paradise with the Savior. And there will be no more pain, no more suffering. No more death, no more agony, no more difficulty. That's the last chapter of the book. And then the bonus chapter is been there, done that. Maybe we'll get there, maybe we won't. Depends on the time. This first chapter begins as Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. It's the first chapter, the great meeting. God Meeting man, man meeting God. This man ran up to him because he probably heard about this man. He didn't just ask him randomly, I don't think. I think he heard about something about this man. Maybe he's seen him from a distance. He obviously had some enthusiasm because he ran to this man and fell down at his feet and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to get to heaven? We want to talk in basic language. How can I get to heaven? It's a great question. It's a question that's asked many day, many, by many people today. How do you get to heaven? He asked the question. Great question. Great man to ask the question to. He didn't know it was the Savior. But he knew he was a good teacher. He was somebody worthy of the question, obviously. And he asked the question. He is a man who has everything but lacks one thing, the key to heaven. And I read something that I'll read to you what money will buy, because this man, as you read the scriptures, was a rich young man, not an old man, didn't have old money. He had young money. How could he be rich and young? Where did he get the money from? You thought about that when you read this? It's a young man. Where did the money come from? Did he inherit it? Possibly. Maybe it was passed down to him. Maybe he earned it. Maybe he, back then he was an entrepreneur. Maybe he came up with a, you know, something that was good for the camels. You know, something that goes on the back of a camel. Maybe it was something that made it more comfortable for them to live in that period of time. I don't know. I don't know how he got his riches, but he was rich and he was young and he had lots of money, lots of wealth, but he didn't have eternal life. And this writer writes, money will buy a bed, but not sleep. Money will buy books, but not brains. Money will buy food, but not an appetite. Money will buy finery, but not beauty. Money will buy a house, but not a home. Money will buy medicine, but not health. Money will buy amusements, but not happiness. Money will buy a crucifix, but not a savior. Money will buy religion, but not salvation. Money will buy a good life, but not eternal life. Money will buy a passport to everywhere but heaven. Money will buy a passport to heaven or to anywhere but not heaven. This man really wanted to go to heaven, and I bet he had a wad of money. And he was expecting the Savior to accept this. I'd like to get to heaven. 
I have great wealth. That's chapter one of the book. The meeting. Have you met him? That's the great meeting. There is no better meeting that you can ever experience in your life than to meet Christ. He met him that day. And people are meeting him every day. You're not seeing him. And don't use that excuse. He's not walking around where you can visibly look at his face. But he is here in the word of God. He is in church. He's here being preached right now. His presence is here. He's given us the word of God. He's here. You've met him. If anybody shared with you about the love of Christ, you have met him. And what have you done? I accepted him 10 years ago. Because I met him. I met him before that. But I rejected him. That day I met him. In August 22nd, I think it is, 1993, I met the Savior and I invited him into my heart and he changed me. And now I can say I'm a new man and he's real in my life. But I met him on a day. So he's available today for people to meet him. And I tell you today, if you don't know him today, that he is saying, I'm here. Welcome. I'm here, right here, in this room, with my arms out, saying, come. That's chapter one. Man meets God. Woman meets God. Chapter two of the book is the great surgeon. Because when you meet him, guess what he's all about? Surgery. You know why he's about surgery? Listen to what he says in verse 18 and 19. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He was doing surgery at that point. Was he God? Yes, he was God. It was God talking to this man. He's telling the man no one is good except God. But if you could stretch that, he was saying, do you recognize that I'm God? He said, no one's good but God. So you're talking to God right now. You're calling me good, but do you understand what that means? You're saying good teacher, but you're talking to God, the only good teacher. And his goal in asking that question was to direct his thinking so that he might accept him as the Christ the son of God. That was God's, Jesus's goal when he asked that question to this man. Why do you call me good? He was doing some surgery on the heart, the master surgeon. He was going in there and offering an idea to this man to help him understand you're talking to the savior today. You're talking to God. He's the one who's good, the only one. And guess what? He's here. He's right in front of you. And he started doing some work. And then verse 9 says, you know the commandments. So he read off the commandments to this man. Bill McDonald says about that statement about you know the commandments. He says he was using the law to produce conviction of sin in the man's heart. That the man was under the delusion That he could inherit the kingdom of God by doing. He was trying to help the man understand by mentioning the commandments that you're under a delusion. That you can inherit the kingdom of God by doing because he thought he could inherit it by doing. He asked this man that. Do you know the commandments and then read off the five commandments. And there's many today that think that they can get to heaven by works, don't they? Many. How do you get to heaven? By doing the Ten Commandments? By being a good person? This man thought 
He could earn it. And God was doing some more surgery, exposing the heart and the lie in his heart. Have you kept the commandments, he said to him? Because the Bible says in Ephesians, boy, it is by grace you have been saved through faith and is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God, not by listening and abiding by the commandments. And, you know, his response is so critical. In verse 20, he says, teacher, these things I have kept since I was a boy. What a. (laughs) I mean, if you don't laugh, you know, what's going on with you? This man said, I have kept them since I was a boy. And the last thing that he mentioned was honor your father and your mother. Now, think about it now. Anybody who has kids. Or go back to that date long ago for some of us when you were a kid. Now, are you telling me you honored your father and your mother all the time, every time? This is what he said to to Jesus. He said to Jesus, I've listened to your commandments. I heard these commandments. I've abided by these commandments. I lived these commandments. I did them since I was a child. Can you imagine that? How crazy that statement was to Jesus. He looked at him in the at this man and, you know, I bet he just kind of said, wow, what is going on with you? What is going on with you? You've listened to these and you've abided by these commandments since you were, you were a boy. I mean, when your mother told you to take the trash out, you said, hey, man, I can't wait to take the trash out. I can't wait to mop the floor. I can't wait to do the dishes. I can't wait to go to school. Get up at 730. Who cares? Definitely, Mom, I love you. I'm ready to get up, eat your food. No problem. Eat cereal. Oh, I don't have a problem with that. I don't want eggs. Yeah, Brussels sprouts, as Dean mentioned. Give me some vegetables, greenery. Oh, I love the good food. Give me some of that good food. I don't want any candy. I mean, is that what we have said when we were kids? Is that what our kids say? So this man was different than every single person in here because he said that I listened to the commandments and I abided by them. And then God says in the scripture, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that means he lied. To Jesus. Maybe it was an honest lie. I don't know. But he lied. We all fall short, don't we? Ironside, Ironside said about the man, he says, the words of the young man revealed the smug self-righteousness of one who prided himself on his own morality And did not realize the corruption of his heart. But God saw his heart. And he sees your heart. And he sees my heart. This morning. One of my favorite verses, and I shared it with uh, Sunday school, is in Samuel where it says that Samuel's talking to uh, Jesse. And he says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God saw this man's heart. But he doesn't stop there. He sees your heart this morning. He sees the condition of your heart. Do you really know him? You've met him. If you haven't met him till today, you're, you're meeting him now because Jesus is in here with us. I'm talking about the Savior. You're meeting him right now. The savior of the world, that certain that same person that walked. That was on his way. Right there. And that first verse says Jesus started on his way. Blesses me so much because he was on his way. And you know where he was going? He was on his way to Calvary. And if you go to verse um, 32 of that chapter, says they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. Guess where they were going? They were on their way to Jerusalem and Jesus was leading the way. 
And it says, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. And again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and he will and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. That's where Jesus was going that day. And he met the man. For us, he's been there. For this man, he was going there. This is before he went to the cross. But we're after he went to the cross. Everybody in here, we get to look back on that historical day when he went to the cross and died for our sins, and we can say, I invite you as my Savior into my heart. Or you can just kind of look like this man and just kind of think, I don't really need God. I have a lot going for me. I have my wealth. I have my knowledge. Some of us are so smart. You're so intelligent. I know people who just spend so much time studying, 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 and filling themselves up with so much information that they're full of knowledge. And it's incredible how they speak, but it's knowledge of what? The world. And it's knowledge that leads to death. This man had lots of money, but it was leading him to death. Not to the cross. Chapter 3. Because we need to move on. We've got a book to finish. We have a story to finish. Chapter 3. The look of love. 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. <laughs> Can you imagine... This man is spouting out all this stuff about who he is and what he is and what he's done. And, you know, I've kept this since I was born. I'm this and I'm that and I want to get to heaven. And Jesus looked at him with love. And he loved him. Does that affect you? Christians, does that affect you? He looked at you and he loved you. That's why he went to the cross. Because he loved you. He loved me. If you don't know him today, do you know he looks at you right now in your seat and he loves you? It's a gaze that is unfamiliar than anything you can ever imagine. It's the love gaze of the Savior. He loved you so much, he didn't just look at you, but he died for you. He looked at him and loved him. And then he did something that was, you know, I'm looking at you and I'm loving you. You know how you get those love looks from your spouse. Maybe they're looking at you and loving you. And everything is great. And maybe you're feeling all relieved and everything is great. And I bet the man's like, well, I get to go to heaven now, maybe. Jesus is looking at me. Look at that look. Look probably melted the man. Probably said, okay, I'm going. And then the hammer came down. And this was the last chance. Jesus had talked to him. He had done some surgery. He'd exposed him. He asked him questions to expose the truth in his heart. He cared. And then he gave him that look, that gaze that said, I love you. So I'm giving you what it's going to take for you to get what you want, to get eternal life. He says, go sell everything. Oh, wait a minute. Wait. Whoa, whoa. And if you want to read the verse, it says you lack one thing, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So Jesus said, OK, now you wanted. The answer, I'm going to give you the answer. This is your last chance too, because conversation is almost over. He says your last chance. I've exposed it. I've told you, I've given you that love. I've showed love to you. And now I'm going to tell you what you need to do, because it's not just about love. 
It's about doing something, making a decision. And as I mentioned earlier about this is a story, it's a story of choices. It's a story of choices. This man at that moment had the choice. He was given the answer. He asked for it. What should I do? Jesus kind of led. He was a good salesman. He kind of went in and did a little surgery here and there. And then he says, okay, now that I kind of opened you up to the truth, let me now tell you what you need to do to get saved. Go sell everything. Then come follow me. Oh, everything, everything, everything. Everything. That's what it takes. Everything. We have to be willing to give everything up. To come to the cross. Everything. Doesn't mean he'll take everything. But we have to be willing to give up everything. And this man. Which they called it. Um. It was a sad scenario. This man went away way sad because he had great wealth. And Bill McDonald says he was not giving this as a way of salvation. He was showing the man that he had broken the law of God and therefore needed to be saved. If he had responded to the Savior's instruction, he would have been given the way of salvation. If he would have had responded, he would have been given the way because the, Jesus did say to him, then come and follow me. And guess where he was going to take him? He was going to take him to the cross. He was going to say, OK, come on with me. You sold everything. You gave it all up for me. Come on. Walk with me. I want to take you somewhere. I want to take you to that place that you want to go to. You'll be with me in paradise forever. Let's go to the cross. But the man said, no. I have too much wealth. I have too much to give up for you. So he said no. Do you know he said no to Christ that day? And that's why they called it the great refusal. It was the greatest refusal of this man's life. And we have to ask the question, what is keeping us from Christ this morning? There are things that are keeping people from Christ. And there's someone in this room that doesn't know him. And you have to ask the question, am I willing to give up whatever it is to follow Christ? This man's face fell because he was depressed. If you leave without Christ this morning, trust me, your face will fall. Maybe not when you leave the doors. Maybe not when you get home. Maybe even not for a day or two. But circumstances will come into your life and your face will fall. Because you, without Christ, you have nothing. I have another story because one of the things that is was a good story to me. I don't know where I heard it, but it was a story about a, uh, a gentleman that was walking with his kid one day, and they're walking along, having a merry old time. He's a young kid, too. He's probably this size, you know, tiny. You know, dad and son hanging out. And all of a sudden, they come across one of those overhang uh, on the freeway, and they they see this truck that basically didn't pay attention. He wasn't paying attention to the signs. 
and his truck was a little bit too big. Guess what happened? He's driving through and all of a sudden, and he's stuck. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that, but that probably was very embarrassing. So he's stuck. Fire trucks show up, and I apologize, Mike, but they said fire trucks showed up. Policemen show up, and all these great men are looking at the situation and evaluating, and they got tow trucks out, and they're pulling and yanking on this truck. And guess what's happening to this truck? It's not going anywhere because he was going at a certain speed, and he lodged in there, and they're pulling and pulling, and the little son is pulling on his dad, and his dad saying, stop, quiet, son, you know, I'm checking this out. This is really great. This is exciting. And then, you know, he looks up and he says, Dad, what? How come they don't take the tires and deflate them and then pull it out? <laughs> and his dad looks at him and he's like, yeah, okay. I was just thinking that. <laughs> I threw that in. <laughs> That's what I would have said. <laughs> So he went over and he tells the fireman, he's like, you know, guess what, Joe? Um, I'm going to call him Mike. Guess what, Mike? <laughs> Why don't you take the tire, deflate the tires, and maybe, and it's like, wow. So they deflate the tires, and it comes out real easily. That's what God says to you today. He says, I have to deflate the tire. What's in you? That's causing you to be lodged into this world, into your sin, into your commitment to just put Christ on the side. What's feeling the tires that's caused you to not accept Christ this morning? He says, remove it. Let's just remove the air and I'll save you. You can come into the kingdom. Are you lodged this morning? And that's where we come to the last chapter. It's the book of life. Now, I don't want to read anything that's going to be bad news to you. But guess what? If God says read it, I'm reading it. And in Revelations, this could be good news or this could be bad news. But in Revelations 20, it says that... Um, Another book was opened, and it was the book of life. This is the end. This is the end of the Bible. Everybody knows. Even people who don't know Christ know about Revelation. They know it's the end of the book. It's the end of the story. Revelation is the last book in the Scriptures. And guess what it tells you? It says that another book was opened, and it was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. And if anyone's name, and this is verse 15, anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's the judgment. That's the end of the book. When the book is closed, that's what the choice will be. When we meet Christ and he offers us that free gift and we say, no, there's too much air in the tire. I'm stuck. He says, well, let's remove the air. And you say, no. I enjoy being stuck. Then he says, okay. I love you, though. I love you, though. And I welcome you into my kingdom. But if you reject that, there is a lake of fire. I don't want you to go there. I don't want anyone to go there. Christ says that. I don't want anyone to go there. But he says, but if you reject this gift, you go there. Not because I sent you there. Because I died on the cross for you. I paid the price for you. And you want to hear a story that's beautiful. Listen to this story. Paul Harvey's talking about a little boy who was spoiled, a spoiled brat. And the boy carried around a sack. 
and you heard this pitiful stirring in the sack. Like, what's going on in that sack? He had captured some tiny birds. And you could hear the sound of the imprisoned wings stirring, and he's shaking them up. And, and then he meets this old man, this old guy. comes up to him and says, what you got in the sack, little kid? He said, I got a sack full of sparrows that I got. What are you going to do with them? Asked the old man. I'm going to take them out of the sack one by one and tease them and pull a feather out. Just now and then, just pluck one. Put them back in the sack, shake them up. And then I'll release them to the cat for his dinner. So he's a brat. Then the old man says, well, how much would you sell the whole sack for? Because I'm interested. Little boy thought for a moment. He said, well, you know, two bucks. You know, that's a lot of money for a kid. Give me two bucks. Give me two dollars. You can have the sack. The old man looked at him and says, done. Here's the two dollars. So the lad handed him the sack, and the old man held it for a little while, and he held it a little differently than the little boy. He held it gently. And in a moment, he untwisted the coil and pulled it open, and then they flew up in the sky. And the bag of birds were gone. And so it happened one day that God met Lucifer with a huge bag. Inside the bag were the most hopeless sounds of life struggling to be free. You listening to me this morning. God met Lucifer. And he had a bag and inside was a sound of life. Lives that were hopelessly just stirring and struggling to be free. And sounds of young and old. And God looked at Lucifer and says, what you got in the bag? Asked the father, what you got in the bag, Lucifer? He said, people. Smirked Lucifer, I got people in here. Then what are you going to do with them? He said, I'm going to torment them one by one. And when they're worn out by the trials, I'm going to throw them into hell. You listening? He said, and what will you take for them? All of them. What will you take? Your only beloved. Your son. That's it. You give me your son. That's all I'll take. said the father and he reached down to the earth and gave the gift of his son and people have the nerve to say no I want my riches I paid the price he said for your life you need to pay the price and give up your life whatever it takes God said done you can have my son to pay for any of those. And he opened the bag and set them free. But who was set free? Only the ones that said, I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and invited Jesus into their heart. The other ones are still in that bag. And Lucifer has the bag, kind of off the side. The bag's still there. Are you in the bag? Are you in the bag? You want to say done this morning? Done. Done. Done.
You can say that this morning. Done. I'll, I'll accept you. I got it now. I don't want my riches. I don't want my life. I don't want this world. I don't want the car that I have and all the life that I have. It's not leading me to anything. Do I really have hope and peace? No, I don't. I don't want all that anymore. I got it now. I got the message, Ron. I'm not going to be like the rich man and say no and walk away sad. I'm going to say yes to Jesus this morning. Guess what? That's what you can do. Isn't that great? The story is told over and over. Come to me. All of you are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Same story. I died for your sins and I want to take you out of the bag and rescue you. It's the same story. It's the offer of salvation. And then one day, bam, the book is closed. And who knows what day that is? I don't know what day that is. Do you know? Because I don't know. I don't know the day. Could be the day. And when that book closes, guess what? The scriptures say, and I believe the scriptures That you be thrown into the lake of fire. Don't say you never heard. This is the 18th, right? Isn't it the 18th? May 18th, 2003, you heard. What do you say? You heard today. When Jesus said, wait a minute, you, you, didn't, uh, you didn't accept me. Well, no, I, I heard about you. That's not enough. You have to make a decision. It's the story of choices. Today's a choice. And we have two minutes, and I promise to get you out of here in two minutes, but there's a bonus chapter, and that's for Christians who have met the Savior. And I like, I like, I don't know why it came to me, been there, done that. There's some of us saying, I've been there and I've done that. I've been there. I met him. I've done that. I've been there. I met the Savior, and I'd done that. I gave my life to him. Are you still following him, though? How close are you to him this morning? How close am I to him this morning? I've been there. I've done that. I gave my life to Jesus. We said, that's not enough. If anyone wants to follow me, what is he supposed to do? Take up his cross. When? Daily. And Adol gave me this Phillips translation. It says, if anyone wants to follow my, in my footsteps, he must give up his Give up all rights to himself. If anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all rights to himself. If anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all rights to himself. Carry his cross every day and keep close behind me. Are you far away this morning from him? It's time to get close again. Close enough to where you can hear him and talk to him. And I was talking to a young man about the situation, and I think that what is most appropriate is that if we're going to, we're walking away and we're not close to him this morning and we do really know him, one of the ways you can get close to him is to remember what happened on that day that you were rescued from the grips of Satan and set free. And I think that will help to understand why you should be walking close why I should be walking close. He rescued us. He saved us. And we forget. I thought about this church this morning, about when we got back into this church. How many of us have thought about that recently? About all the time, the, the month or two that we're out of the church. When we came back that first day, we had a different kind of feeling, didn't we? We felt good. It's like our church is back. Oh, oh. And we, we wanted to lick the walls. We wanted to lick the walls because we're back. It's home. That place was good, but there's nothing like home. But we forgot, didn't we? Now we come in, we don't look at the walls. Don't taste the walls. Don't look at the seats. It's home again. It's casual. It's kind of, we're home. Everything's okay. If we're not careful, we can do that with Christ. You know, everything's okay. You know, I got Jesus in my heart and everything's okay. And Jesus says, wait a minute, hello. I said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Not way behind, but close. Deny yourself everything and follow me. We've all been far away. Some of us are far away this morning. Really far. 
And God says to you this morning, come back home, my beloved. Come, come, come home. You've been away too long. Come back. That's the choice for you. That's the choice for me because we know him. So two choices today. You know him and you're away from him. Come home. You don't know him today. This is it. This is the day. This is the chance. This is the opportunity to invite him into your heart. And guess what? You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. He will change your life forever. And there's nothing like that life that we have in Christ. There is no life. There is no journey that you can be on that's going to take you to heaven except the journey that is through the cross. So I pray for this meeting this morning. I pray for everybody in this room this morning that the Lord spoke to you in some way. If we're far, get close. If we're close, get closer. If we don't know him, today. I'm not going to be like the rich man and just walk away. This is the opportunity today. Now we're going to close our eyes and we're going to pray. And you have an opportunity right now. And I'm saying the choice is right in front of you. Jesus is in the room. He spoke to you. So let's close our eyes. So everybody close our eyes. I want you to think about this. Just contemplate the message and see where it applies. If it applies, say amen, please, in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say amen in your heart. This applies to me. This applies to me. And ask the Lord, help me, Lord. Help me to walk closer to you. Whatever sin that I might have, whatever other thing that I might have that's inflating the tires, that's got me stuck, deflate the tire, Lord, so I can walk closer to you. And also to you in here that don't know the Savior, this is the opportunity you want to confess him as your Lord and invite him into your heart, this morning you have an opportunity to do that. And no one is looking. Jesus is in your heart, though. I mean, he's outside knocking at the door. He wants to have entry into your heart. And all you have to do, if you want me to pray for you, is just put your hand up, and I'll pray for you. But you have to be willing. Amen. Amen. You have to be willing. Put your hand up. I want to see it. Put your hand up. Nobody's looking. Jesus is listening. He's watching. He's listening. He wants to come into your heart. He wants to save you. He wants to have you walk with him. He wants to change your life. He wants to take you to heaven with him. So when the book is closed, your name's in it. So you want to put your hand up this morning? I saw the hand there. Anybody else? This is an opportunity. He doesn't force us. He doesn't make us do it. Has to be from the heart. Amen, brother. Has to be from the heart. But if he's stirring in your heart and saying, Come to me, come to me, come to me, respond this morning. What you got to lose? You have everything to gain. Jesus is here and he's inviting us. Last opportunity. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. Amen, brother. I see you. Amen, I see you. Amen. I see you back there. Just put your hand up and the Lord will. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. Amen. I see your hand, brother. And Jesus is saying right now. Amen. Welcome. Welcome home. And please, those people who put your hand up, see one of the elders. Before you leave. Talk to them. Jesus is so real. Jesus loves you so much. 
And you will never, ever, ever be the same. Heavenly Father, it's a blessing and a privilege that we have time that we can open up this book. It's not a book with man's words in it. It's a book that has changed the world because God is speaking in it. And today we heard a story. A story. A story about a man. A story about a man who had an opportunity to say yes. And he said no. We pray for those who put their hand up this morning, Lord. And we commend them that they said yes. Yes to Jesus. They said, yes, I will forsake all. Yes, I will give up all. And I will follow you. Yes, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Each of one said, yes. I invite the Savior into my heart. And they will never be the same. There's only one way. And that's through the cross. And Lord, we pray for those in this room that are thinking about that decision. Just want to put their hand up. Give them courage. Stir their heart. Help them realize that without you, they're nothing. They have nothing. They will be nothing. They will remain stuck. Help them to remember that, to, re- to understand that, and to be courageous and take that stand, that step. Lord, we, we're thankful that you've been with us this morning. And there's no life like the Christian life. And, Lord, I thank you so much for this privilege and, and praise your name on the highest for everything that you're doing in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.